As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. What's up, everyone, and welcome in to episode 13 of Frankly Speaking. I'm Daily Faceoff Hockey Insider Frank Saravalli, and this is our weekly one-on-one interview series with some of the biggest names in the hockey world. Today, we're going to be joined by Minnesota Wild General Manager Bill Guerin. But first, I need to tell you that Frankly Speaking is presented by ProLine Plus, not just another sportsbook. It's the only sportsbook that gives 100% of its profits back to Ontario. ProLine has been your local trusted sportsbook for over 30 years, now offering Ontario sports fans more ways to play in-store, online, or take the game on the go at the ProLine app with your favorite sports and events right at your fingertips. Download the ProLine app and bet in-app with ProLine Plus today, or head over to ProLinePlus.ca to learn more. That's right, we're joined today by Minnesota Wild General Manager Bill Guerin, whose name is engraved on the Stanley Cup four times, twice as a player and twice as as an assistant general manager with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And today, he is barely one week removed from his Wilds' first round exit at the hands of the Dallas Stars. We'll dive into the disappointment of that, where the Minnesota Wild are heading next, staring down two more seasons of $14.7 million in dead cap space with the buyouts to Ryan Suter and Zach Parise. Plus, we'll talk about some of his young players that have made a mark, some that he would like to see more from, and a 30,000-foot view of the Wild, where they fit in this market this summer in both the trade and the free agent front. So much to dive into. Let's go. Bill Guerin, you've had about a week now to digest your season with the Minnesota Wild. Curious what you're feeling, what you're thinking, and how you size it all up. Uh you know, obviously we had a we had a good regular season. Um, you know, another hundred point season that that's not easy to do. Um, you know, we had a lot of guys have good years. Uh, you know, we saw, you know, guys like uh, like Philip Gustafson. You know, uh, kind of come into the come onto the stage. Uh, Matt Boldy um, had a great regular season. Um, you know, it's just. It's it was extremely disappointing though the the way it all ended. Uh, you know, I just felt we were, you know, we were good enough. Um, you know, we we added some some real good pieces at the deadline, uh, but uh, you know, I, I think 
yeah, well, obviously we just fell short again, and it's, it's extremely disappointing. Uh, haven't really been in a good place the last week. Uh, um, you know, this one was was really disappointing. Um, but you know, hey, look, we played a good team. They played well too, and um, you know, we, we're we're going to have to learn from this again. It seemed like your fan base was pretty fired up. Obviously, they're feeling a lot of the same things you are. Um, but when you take a step back and you look at this season from a 10,000-foot view and you look at sort of the plan that you've got in place to get to where you want to get to, is in some ways, do you consider it a success given that you're dealing with cap limitations? Yeah, by you know your own choice. But the fact that this team was able to challenge for a division lead, you know, till the bitter end in the season, you don't get any points for that in the playoffs. But the idea that this team was still very competitive in this spot, I think a lot of people around the league would look at that and say that was a successful year. Yeah, I I mean, uh, when when I do take a step back and I look at, you know, everything that our our team has dealt with, um, you know, the conditions that you know, our roster has to play with, like with our dead cap hits, um, you know, which, which I brought on. Um, It's, yeah, it's, uh, it's a credit to the team, how well they played in the regular season. We had, we had a very good regular season. I think, I think we're one of, I think us in Colorado are the only two, two teams that had back-to-back hundred point seasons. And that's, that's just not easy to do. And um, so I give, I give the guys a lot of credit. And, and that part was success, uh, the success. And it's just really disappointing the way that the playoffs went. I, you know, I, I think, I think people look at it and if it doesn't go well in the end, they call the whole season a failure. Well, it's not in, in my mind. Um, it's just extremely disappointing uh, that, that we couldn't, uh, that we couldn't keep playing. Um, you know, a lot of things went wrong and uh you know, it's just – but for me, for my job to stick to the plan that we have here, it's, it's very important to, to look at it, you know, kind of like you said, on a, on a more broad scope, you know, and I have to take – I have to look at the positive things that we did too. Uh, and all those things, the positive things, the negative things, you have to, you have to go through them and, you know, see what's going to help you take that next step and, and keep moving forward. As as you stick to the plan and you take a step back and you look now at your offseason priority list, what's at the top of the list for you? Well, you know what, I I I think right now it's to uh you know kind of assess where the season went. And, you know, like like I told you, you know, before we started, I had, you know, we had player meetings, I had coaches meetings. We'll uh, we'll have our our pro scout meetings coming up here soon. Then we'll have our amateur scout meetings, getting ready for the draft. Uh, those are the two biggest things right now. Um, is starting to plan for for the draft and free agency. Um, you know that that's that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. You have two more seasons of what a lot of people would call cap hell. Uh, we just referenced it with the dead cap hits. But you might get a boost this summer, and if not this summer, then definitely next summer with this debt being owed from players to owners being paid off way more quickly than anyone might have imagined. Was any of that part of your calculus, or was you just were you just planning to kind of 
motor through this no matter what the situation was? Well, to be honest with you, we, we didn't know when we were going to get it. Uh, we thought we'd probably be getting it a little earlier. Um, but we were, we were prepared to, to deal with this no matter what. This was, this was not just something we said, hey, look, let's just do it. it you know, we, we, we went through this for months and months and months and what the, what the repercussions would be and how we'd be able to handle it and are we willing to do that. And, um, yeah, we were willing to do it. And, and to be honest with you, I, I, I don't think it's hurt us. I think we've made uh, strong, calculated moves at, at you know, the deadlines. Um, we've had some good free agent signings. Uh, you know what? And our, our coaches have done – our coaches and players – excuse me, have done a really good job of just ignoring it and playing. And it's not an excuse. There's no, there's no room for an excuse with this stuff. It's just go out and do your job. And and they've done a great job of that. And, um, you know, it's, it's just our world, but I, I, you know, hopefully we can get as much, uh, you know, as much of a bump in the, in the cap as, as we can this year. And, uh, and the year after I'm sure we'll get even more. So to spin it back to one of the earlier questions, then, as you were mapping all this out, knowing that you'd have this dead cap space, did you guys honestly project to have 100-point seasons in this space? No. Um, but you know what? That doesn't excuse the lack of, of playoff results, but no, you no, weren't no. planning oh, for this either. No, I thought we could win this year. I thought we could win this year. I thought we could at least come out of the West. I mean, we were, we were a good team. And it, my, my, my approach to it is that, yeah, it's real and it's there, but we are going to conduct our business like it's not. And we're going to have high expectations and um, we're, we're, we're going to, we're not, we're not trying to lose. We're not trying to, you know, we're not in the Connor Bedard stakes, sweepstakes. We're, we're not doing that. This is, you know, the expectations are high. I, we, we expect to win. All that stuff stays the same. It doesn't change. I'm not walking into our locker room and saying, hey, guys, you know, we got these dead cap, cap hits. Uh, it's okay if we don't do that well this year. That's not the message. Not even close. Mm-hmm. So when you make decisions like that, and and we've talked about this, you know, years past, but then it kind of popped up again a little bit last summer, just in terms of the general thesis of how you build your team and your organization and the culture within that, that sort of mantra that you were speaking about, you know, a situation popped up with Cam Talbot, you dealt with it and you bring in Gustafson, which obviously was a a huge uh, boost for this team this year uh, on the ice. And when you now look at, you know, sort of spinning the situation forward, he has this unbelievable year, but now the flip side of that is you've got a tight cap situation and you need to pay him. So how do you, how do you walk through that? Like he needs a new contract. He probably wants a little bit of term and deserves it, but you have to also then balance that with, you know, where does Jesper Wallstadt fit into your situation moving forward too? How do you, how do you time all that out from a goaltending perspective? Well, you know, this isn't, well, we, we're not just starting to do that now. We've, we've had a plan in place and there's a couple different scenarios of, you know, what, what are Phillips options? Um, you know, he's got our brakes, you know, what would, 
what would a three-year deal, a four-year deal, a five-year deal look like? What would a one-year deal look like? If it's, if it's, you know, if it's a one-year deal, you know, it'll be less so we can keep this guy, this guy, and this guy. Or if it's a four-year deal, we might have to get rid of, you know, a couple guys or one guy. It, it's kind of all just going through each scenario of, of, uh, of kind of like what, what contract he would have. And, you know, it's unfortunate, but, you know, sometimes we have to, you know, sacrifice guys. Um, but what we've done here is uh, I think everybody's had a hand in creating a, a, a great culture, uh, someplace that, that guys really want to play. And I think we've, we've, we've had guys take uh, very reasonable, uh, I don't want to say less, but they've, they've taken a little bit less to stay here and to play here. And I give them a lot of credit for that because uh, not everybody does it. And, you know, it's just something that we've, we've been able to do and the players are buying into it. And uh, you know, that's the most important thing, I guess, is that the players are buying into it. So, you know, we've been able to, to, to kind of figure it out uh, like that. You've spent a lifetime in the game. Um, Just curious why, you know, you think you've been able to have such a good finger on your pulse in terms of just the feel, whether it was executing those buyouts, whether it was making the decision with Talbot or bringing in someone like Ryan Reeves at a critical juncture this season. Is it, do you, do you spend more time around your team and your room because you're a former player? Do you stay away? Like how, why do you have such a good grasp of it? You think, cause there's plenty of other GMs that are former players that don't necessarily have, that same feel or grasp. I, I, you know what? Well, I appreciate that. I, um, yeah, I'm around our team quite a bit. And, you know, I've, I've said this before, I can't, um, I can't not be myself. And I like being around the guys. I like having the feel of the room. Um, I, I, I think it's really important. Um, you know, you, you mentioned, you mentioned Revo and, and there was just something, there was something missing around the room at that point in time. And it was a, you know, it was an energy thing. It was a, a swagger thing that, that, that our, our kind of level has had dropped down. And we just really needed a guy like that, that could kind of, you know, just exude this great confidence and swagger. And, you know, that, that was kind of behind that. So yeah, just being around is, is really important to me and, and just kind of, having the feel. I mean, I'm not sitting in there every day hanging out with players. It's definitely not the case, but, um, you know, it's good to, it's good to be around and just kind of get that feel. Is there a fine line of being around too much? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And I have my times too, where, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll show up and people say, where have you been? And, you know, haven't seen you for a couple of weeks. You know, there, there's, you know, there's, I go, I go out and scout still and, you know, go to the world juniors and things like that. And, you know, it's good to, it's good for me to take a break too, because, uh, you know, I, I learned early on that if you watch your team play too much, um, you either fall in love with them too much or you hate them too much. So you need a little break yeah, and they need I, a break too. They don't, they don't need me hanging around all the time either. So it's good. To, it's good for me to take a break. Makes sense. Um, when you mentioned, the one sort of element that was missing in November when you made that trade for Ryan Reeves, 
Um, an overarching question about your season was this team consistent enough? Like I felt watching from afar that it was a bit of a roller coaster. You, you know, there were some crazy highs and, and also some lows where it was like, you know, especially coming out of the all-star break, things like that. There was like, they're just, it wasn't a flat, you know, sort of straight line and no team has that, but were there too many highs and lows? Uh, you know what? There, there, in, in my mind, there were two real big lows. Um, and that was our start. The beginning of the season, we started 0-4. Um, we were we were just not good. I mean, we just flat out just weren't good. Um, we we found our game, and like you said, coming out of that All Star break uh, bye week, I mean, we were brutal for you know uh, a, a string of games there, and, and we ended up out of the playoffs at one point in time. Like we were, we just weren't good. Um, but then after that, I think we put together quite a string for like 25 games where we were, we were one of the better teams in the league. Um, so th- those are kind of like the, the two real big lows. And, and after that, we, you know, we were, we, we kind of spiked up. Uh, yeah. If we could, you know, you're going to go through a low point in your season at some point in time. I don't, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, even the, you know, even the Bruins went through it with their great season. They had a they had a tough stretch there for a little while, but yeah, to one's okay. Maybe two is you're you're flirting with danger a little bit. So, um, you know, the consistency is something that's uh, you know we've been pretty good at it, but this year was a little yeah, it was a little crazy at times. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about some of your young guys. Um, let's start with Marco Rossi. How do you evaluate his season? Uh, obviously when he was given a chance, wasn't able to produce a lot at the NHL level, but there doesn't really seem to be a lot left for him to do at the AHL level. How do you balance those two things? Yeah, Marco, you know what, and and I'll correct you a little bit, Frank, like he wasn't given an opportunity. He earned the opportunity. Um, and that's the important thing. I think, you know, Marco came in, he was, he was ready to go for camp. He had a great rookie tournament. Um, he had a really good training camp. Uh, and then the regular st- season started and he just kind of, he just kind of faded a bit. So um, we just thought it'd be best if he went back to the American league for a little while. Uh, you know, when it, it turned out he spent the rest of the year down there, um, you know, and he did everything that we asked him to do. He, he, he played hard every night. He played big minutes, all different situations, which is great for him and, and his development. Um, you know, now he's going to spend most of the summer here in Minnesota training, um, which shows great dedication, uh, from a young man. And, um, you know, that, 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 uh, you know, he doesn't, he's not from North America, so it's a, it's a big commitment for him to stay here. And that's, that's something that we love about him. Um, but you know what, he, he's just got to keep pushing. Um, it's a competitive, it's a competitive business and, you know, he's a high draft pick, but you know, nobody really, you know, the. Other players don't care about that. It's, jobs are few and far between. So, you know, he's going to have to be ready and and uh, ready to come back and earn a spot again. How does he factor into your future plans? Well, I mean, we we'd really love him to be ready this year and and uh, and have him playing for us um, as soon as possible. He's he's a he's a big piece of of our future, and 
yeah, we need them. We need them to to kind of take flight here soon. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask about your young guys because as you're dealing with this cap situation, it's so incredibly important to have guys on entry level deals being big contributors to your team. What do you see if you look into your crystal ball for Brock Faber? Well, I, I think uh, I, I think Brock's got a really great future. Um, you know, from from what he went through at the end of the season with the University of Minnesota, that I mean, that was a heartbreaking loss uh, for for a young man to just kind of dust himself off and jump right into the NHL and play the way he did uh, was was pretty incredible. And um, I, I just think he's got a really bright future. He'll he'll be on our team right away next year. I mean, look at he he. He played his first game in Chicago, and our coaches our coaches said to me after the game, this kid's good. Can we play him again the last game of the season in Nashville? I said, yeah, of course he can. And then after that game, our coaches said, hey, this kid's really good. Can we play him in the playoffs? And I said, yeah, why not? Like, let's, let's do it. And, uh, and he, just, he just handled it like he'd been around for 20 years. And uh, that, that's, that's exciting to see for us. That's for sure. What is his ceiling? That's a good question. Um, and I, I, I'm not quite sure yet, to be honest with you. Um, you know, Brock's never been a big point producer, but I don't know if that's ever been uh, asked of him or expected of him. Um, but the way he skates, <clears throat> you know, he, he showed flashes of it in the series against Dallas. So if he can – you know, utilize his skating more and jump up into the play. Um, can he be a, you know, a, a you know, middle of the range point producer? Uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, and if he can do that, I mean, obviously it takes you to a higher level, but he's, he's got the defensive side of the game uh, figured out. And, um, you know, he, he, that just comes to him naturally, but uh, I mean, he'll, he'll, I think he'll eventually be a top pairing guy for sure. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. And what about Kalen Addison? He's been around for a couple of years, but it's kind of easy to, you know, he gets his first full season this year, but it's kind of easy to forget. He just turned 23 a couple of weeks ago. What do you see from him and and where's, what's his next step? Yeah. Addy, Addy had a crazy year too. He, he like two halves, one was black, one was white. It was, it was completely different. Um, you know, he, he's like, 
like Brock has the defensive side figured out. Addy's got the offensive side on the power play figured out. Uh, what we need to what we need to help him with is five on five, and um, you know, and and defending. Um, and that's that's pretty typical for for a young defenseman to to need to work on your defending, especially a kid with offensive instincts. But five on five, we'd really like to see him, you know, just push more. Don't. Don't you know he, he's playing with a defensive partner, like somebody that can watch his back. So, you know, so get up into the play, start going. We're like we need that production five on five. Um, and then when it comes to, you know, the defensive side, you know, he's got to have a little more abrasiveness in his game. He's got that in him naturally. Like he's a he's actually a t- really tough kid. Like, um, you know, not fighting wise or anything. He can I think he can fight, but. Like he he is a tough kid and he's just gotta he's gotta use that. You know, you gotta look at like Gerard in in uh, uh in Colorado. You know, he he plays with a little sandpaper. You know, Tori Krug for sure does. Guys like that, like um that size defenseman, you know, watch Jared Spurgeon. That's what we need him to start developing into. Um but you know what, he's got a lot of talent and um uh, there, there's a lot more there. Mm-hmm. From a team building perspective, as you look at, you know, the sort of organizational chart that I'm sure you have on a wall in your office, a, a lot of people circle the center position and they say, you know, the wild need a, a game breaking center. Well, well, good luck. Those guys don't grow on trees, but you sort of have bristled at that notion when I've asked you in the past saying like, we're pretty happy with the guys that we have. Joel Erickson Eck is obviously a, a key and critical piece in that formula, but do you think you need an upgrade down the middle to better compete? Uh, eventually we'll, we'll, we'll need it. But I, I think when, when I, when I've talked to you like, like that, like to me, our, I look at our team and, and like you said, those guys don't grow on trees. Like, of course we would love a, you know, a, like a true number one center, or, you know, like what, whatever that is like, or whoever that is like, you just can't get them. Like nobody's really trading them. Um, you know, unless you want to, unless you want to give up a ton of assets and we're just not, we're not in that position right now. So when I speak like that, it's because we have guys like Caprizov, Zuccarello, um, uh, Boldy that, you know, now Johansson that play the wing. And that's where our, our offense generally comes from is is these guys on the wing that have all this talent. What we really need is, you know, a guy like Joel Erickson Eck. I mean, anybody would be, love to have this guy in his team. I, I, I think. Uh, and then Ryan Hartman's done it. Ryan Hartman's done a great job playing with Zuccarello and, uh, and Kaprizov, but we need them to be, we need them to be strong in their own end, you know, good defensively and, and just a, a piece of the puzzle. We, with the, I mean, Kaprizov's an elite talent. So you just – right now we just don't have like a, a – you know, like I said, like that traditional number one center that everybody's looking for. But, you know, we've still generated a lot of offense from the wingers. Mm-hmm. Do you Can you put your finger on why Kaprizov and Boldy, two guys that scored for you so much during the regular season, were quiet in the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, they, they both struggled, uh, unfortunately. I mean, it wasn't – you know, for lack of trying, that's, that's for sure. Um, you know, they, they both competed. It's just, you know, I, I, I think Kirill, 
you know, he wasn't injured anymore, but I think taking the month off right before the playoffs, I mean, he had to, he was injured. Um, you know, he, he likes to play a lot, like consistently, like be on the ice. And, and I think being off for a month really kind of, he wasn't able to get into a rhythm and feel, he didn't feel real good. Uh, um, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things. And then Matt, you know, Matt, Matt's got a, you know, kind of change his game a little bit in the playoffs. It's not, it's not as easy. I mean, it's just, it's more, uh, you know, you got to pay the price a little bit more to, in the playoffs. You can't be on the perimeter. You can't make cute plays. You have to, you have to make stronger, harder plays. And, you know, after, you know, so Matt's two years in the league or a year, year and change in league, but he's got two years of playoff experience now. And I, I think, I think some of this will will serve him well in the future because he's he's learning from it and and nobody's more upset uh, than than him you know that he's he's really tough on himself and he's disappointed and and but you know what I, I know he'll get better. Yeah, you certainly showed that confidence in him with the new contract as well. Um, you know, just in terms of your deadline and sizing that up. Um, I thought it was fascinating to watch from afar. You sort of sat back, read the market. You were able to be a player and collect a couple assets on the retention game, which kind of speaks to how well you guys managed your cap this year, that even with the dead cap space, you were able to be in that mix. But then you were able to pick up, you mentioned Johansson and the addition that he provided, which uh, was critical. But then, um, you know, you had a couple other guys that were bargain buys, Klingberg, you know, sort of last second thing, Nyquist, obviously with the injury, that was something that kind of scared a few teams off. Um, how do you size up? Obviously you, you didn't find the success you wanted in the playoffs, but the ability to add those guys and, and what you saw from Klingberg and Nyquist who probably won't be sticking around. Well, I, yeah, I, I thought we had a really, really strong deadline, um, you know, we like you said, we were able to get two extra picks. Uh, you know, with the uh, was it the O'Reilly deal and then the Orlov Hathaway deal, um, and those those served us really well. We were able to, you know, we, what we didn't want to do was give up a lot of assets. We're, we weren't going to give up first and second rounders. We weren't going to, you know, give up prospects or anything like that. So it really served us well to have those couple extra picks. Um, uh, and, and yeah, we were able to make it work. Um, Jojo came in and, you know, had, you know, instant, uh, instant chemistry with Matt Boldy and just made a really big difference, you know, kind of giving us a little more depth up front, uh, with Gus Nyquist, uh, you know, we knew his injury because it was the same one that Ryan Hartman had earlier in the year. And, and we were confident that, uh, you know, that, that he was going to make it back if, you know, if if he hadn't been injured, he would have gone for a lot more than than what he went for. Um, but we were willing to take that chance. That's kind of something that with, with our situation that we have we might have to take a chance or two like that just to get a, a good deal. Um, and then yeah, and then Klinger uh, came in and and you know what he was uh, uh, real good on the power play. Just we needed another puck mover and. You know, like like you said, it was last minute, and and the asking price. Uh, you know, we just felt it wasn't uh, it wasn't too much to give, and and you know, and then with uh, with the trade 
for Jordan, when we traded Jordan Greenway out, we needed a replacement with another big body. So we got Oscar Sundquist. And again, you know, for a fifth round pick that to me, it just, uh, it just made sense. Mm -hmm. So to put a bow on our conversation, as you now look forward to this summer, a lot of people have talked about how this is a free agent class that doesn't have a lot of superstars. Does that get you excited given your situation, knowing that there may be some real bargain finds out there if you do your homework uh, to get some guys on, on some, I don't want to say inexpensive deals, but guys that are the right fits for your team. Is that a viable avenue for your team or do you see your team being more in the mix on the trade front? Um, I don't, I don't really see us being in the mix on the trade front. Um, but like I said, it, that can change any minute. So don't hold me to it. Um, but you know, I, I like a lot of the guys on our team currently and you know, if we can continue to, to build as a group and get better as a group, I'm, I'm good with that too. Um, but we'll see, we'll see what's out there and, and, you know, we have to, you know, we have guys that we still have to sign and we'll, we'll see where it all kind of shakes out and how active we'll, we'll actually be. Interesting. Bill Guerin, thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Frank. I appreciate it, buddy. Any time spent with Bill Guerin is good time spent. Uh, love his insight. Love the way that he's built this team. And I think if you were to take a step back and look at this from that 10,000 foot view if you had said a couple years ago when those buyouts were executed that you'd be challenging for a division title with these cap limitations, I'd kind of view it as this season being a bonus. Yeah, the playoff disappointment is real, and you can harp on the Minnesota Wild and their total lack of playoff success as an organization uh, you know, and their lack of rounds won. But I would argue that for the Wild, it's not really about right now or the here and now. You give your your team an opportunity, a chance to win, which Bill Guerin did this year and will do for the next two. And then after that, it's off to the races. Excited to see it all come to fruition for the Minnesota Wild, a proud and fervent hockey market in the United States.